This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, uh, the preview show, the Friday night preview show. Uh, I am Stanford Chidge, of course, and I am joined by the ever so lovely Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, thank you so much to be described as that. Oh, I'm a bit down today. How I'm are a you? bit What's got that? a bit of an eye, eye infection. Oh, mate. Been a bit cold, a bit coldy, and oh, yeah. yeah. It's no good. No, no. Mm. It's not. And so I'm going to do the whole of the fancast in this voice. Okay, no, that, 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 that would be. Vaguely amusing. Thank you, vaguely, for about the first five seconds. Yes, probably, probably, probably. Yeah, thank you. So, who have we got on the show tonight? Housewife's Choice! That's enough of that. Um, it is, of course, yes, yes, the finger. Hello, 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 you Hang on, hang on. As you were singing that, yeah, I seem to remember, yes, that is the Housewife's Choice. But do you remember when was it, I can't what were they called comedy store or comedy the, you know with Rick Mal and Aid Edmondson and Jennifer Sort they did those those spoof Enid Blyton yeah. things. Oh yeah. And yeah. I think that when they did the theme tune for that They did. That was the theme tune. They did. Oh, I should change it. I should say it's the comedy oh, no, store. No, no, no. no, no, no I like no, it. it's this the housewife choice. Five go mad on mescaline. That's the one. Was, yeah. That okay. is the one. Very yeah. funny. You and know, the late, great Robbie Coltrane. The late, great Those Robbie well. Coltrane. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm just looking. I'm still introducing because I haven't introduced him properly. Oh, yes. Okay. No, Sorry. I'm going to interrupt you, actually. I'm getting my own back for a change because I, I used to know the editor of the comic strip really, really well. So I used to go and see the previews of them in a, in a film theatre in Soho many years ago. Sorry, JK. No, no I was going to say, I'm looking forward to. Um, um, Clayton, because it's Clayton Beerman, everybody. No, is it, is it really? And, I had yes, no idea. Is, absolutely, yeah. Hello. And, and he is, um, of course, the great goalie, goalie. And I'd like to hear your assessment of um, of Kepler. Well, we will do. We will do in, in a minute. It's been somewhat of a revelation, hasn't it? He has. It? 
My goodness me. Shall I tell you what we're going to talk about tonight? Uh, evening people, by the way, particularly those of you who are listening on Mixler. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Brent... It's a bit kind of uh, preview, shoot, preview show light tonight, which is all my, my fault in a way, because... Uh, um, I couldn't uh, get hold of uh, Adam or Liam this week. And, uh, I mean, actually, Dan told me that there was a Man United bloke who wanted to come on the show, but I completely forgot uh, with the madness of this week. So we ain't got no opposition view. So I'm very sorry about that. But we, you have me, JK, and Clayton. What more could anybody want on a Friday evening? But uh, part one, uh, we're going to talk about the Brentford-Chelsea review. I've kind of very quickly established that uh, nothing is ever said in Graham Potter's uh, press conferences so we we no, we no longer cover those because it's pointless he, there was actually one thing that was funny um because somebody uh kind of talked about his personality but he meant he meant you know it, it was it was the buffoon that is the moose from oh talking. it was him was it because basically yeah he said something about him being boring didn't he no he didn't he, he meant no he didn't didn't the moose say i'm not calling you boring no he, he, exactly he that well he, he was talking about whether Potter was uh, imposing his personality on the team, and po- Potter being, I thought, was quite funny. Actually, he said, "Are yeah, you calling he, me boring?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was lovely. It was very, very self-deprecatory. I, 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 I warmed to him in that moment. But the bottom line is, his presses are quite boring. He doesn't really say anything, so I'm not going to cover it anymore. So anyway, Brentford Chelsea review uh, the lineup, which was quite interesting, and the subs even more interesting. Uh, Kepper, obviously, because we've got the goalie on, so we'd love to hear what he thinks of Kepper. Um, Brozier and Havertz, that's worth a discussion. Pulisic and uh, Chuck Wameka uh, deserve a mention. And uh, I'm quite interested in talking about J5 and Kovacic too. Uh, but of course, I would like to talk about what we thought of the game as well, which we will do. I actually thought it was was uh, okay. But anyway, um, part two, uh, guess what we're going to talk about? Uh, Chelsea versus Man United uh, for tomorrow, of course. And we've got lots of stuff to talk about there. Uh, including our Man United finding their feet, uh, our our recent and and actually you know not so recent form against Man United, which is al- always worth looking at, and uh, Ronaldo. There's a bit of a hoo ha about him. So there we go. Lots on the show as always. Right. Um, I'm going to kick it off with the lineup because you know we do the lineup. J.K. I yeah. was I was I mean he did it again. He threw a massive wonky curveball, didn't he? Um, which he I'm beginning to learn. He is he is he is you know. He quite likes doing this. So, obviously, you know, my lineup was absolutely completely wrong. Um, by which I mean he picked Gallagher in midfield, which I didn't expect. Uh, and Bro, you're up front. And he had the temerity to pick Havertz. All of this we'll talk about later. But uh, it, the other thing that I thought was interesting was that, you know, he played 3-4-2-1, three, three, uh, apparently. So he played with wing-backs again. So he had Cucurella and Loftus-Cheek as wing-backs. So clearly, Graham Potter does not listen to the Chelsea fan cast and has not heeded our advice about not doing a two-call. How but dare he? May, he may listen, but he may go the opposite. He may think, these, these, these blokes know fuck all about football, so yeah. I'm just going to do what I do. Yeah. <laughs> he would probably be right, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, completely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I... I, I, I I actually got Brozier right, though. You, you did, you did. You fair, fair enough. You did, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So, so did Mark. Mark, me, and yeah. we both we both thought he'd play him, um, um, and we both thought we'd be playing with Havertz. But we actually both thought that Pulisic would play as well, which he didn't do. No. Nope. Um, um, uh, who else did we think would play? Um, um, we thought we'd play a four, 
and you established that we established that he wouldn't play so cucarella was a was a real um left field selection but having said that though it made great sense because he wasn't playing him as one of the center halves he did against villa so he played him in his uh, his usual position but um uh He's not he's not playing very well at the moment, which is um, he's not playing anywhere near the form he showed at Brighton, Cucurella, unfortunately, such is life. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, So, um, yes, it was an interesting. um, uh, Well, the whole thing fell apart because. Um, well, uh, Gallagher, my yeah. my at the moment, yeah, Gallagher was clearly ill because he was playing very peculiarly up until then. I mean, I, 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 look, I, I, know, I know you were there, and I'd lo- I'd love yeah. to hear this because I, I, I that completely. I mean, I I think was I late? With, did I miss the kick? I can't remember. I was watching it on the TV, obviously, but I just wasn't really on it because I'd literally just finished work and then just literally switched on the TV, and so that passed me by. The, the first I was aware of it was Gallagher. Uh, coming off and I thought what but he came off very reluctantly and he came, went off very slowly so we kept thinking perhaps he's had a head injury so it was only after the game it was revealed that he'd been ill mm. uh, when in fact Potter said um, if you looked at his performance it made sense that he'd been ill because he obviously agreed because he was very off the pace and um, and kept giving the ball away and kept losing possession um, but um, it, it was almost as if he, felt, well, he fitted okay. in with everybody else then Okay. <laughs> no, I, I'm absolutely, Clayton. I agree completely. And it was um, it, it, it the dilemma with with picking this kind of side is is that um, all right, he's doing it because he doesn't want to knacker people. Um, but it 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 really it's kind of slightly experimental, and you can understand Broger being given a go from the middle, and I was from the beginning, and I was pleased with that. But you know, he's he's a bit rough. He's a bit raw. He's very raw around the edges, and he makes very strange choices from time to time when he's in positions where he could just slip the ball across and somebody would score. And it it's, we were then unfortunately because, because Gallagher went off, we were left with J five and Kovacic, who we're going to talk about. We will, but, but yeah. Uh, but um, it, but his game plan was ruined, wasn't it? In 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. by Gallagher going off, but you said Broja was impressive. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the same level of impressive. I think he's... Well, can I explain why? He's a talent. He's a talent. Can I explain why? I mean, you know, obviously obviously one gives him perhaps a little bit more latitude than we would, you know... um, I mean, Havertz is is an interesting point, but but, but, uh, certainly Yang, you know, because he is young. But, I mean, what I was impressed... I tell you what, I mean, okay, you know, you, you and I have talked about this a lot. It's those getting up out of your seat moments, if you like, and... I got up out of my seat when he made that run towards the penalty area, was clearly fouled, and then yeah. got up and had another go. And I thought, fuck me. I like this. I mean, he fired it across the goal. Havertz was nowhere near it. And I just thought, God, he's hungry. And then and I just thought he was a menace. And he did it again later. He kind of won a ball he had absolutely no right to win. And again, it went to somebody else and they dithered and it also, I think it was Cucurella dithered and, it, and the chance went begging. But, I, you know, yes... I totally agree with you. Rough around the edges, rather raw, inexperienced. He will learn. But I love his attitude, JK. I love his attitude. Well, it, it, for me, once again, the, the jury's out. I don't know whether he's good enough for this level. I, but I really don't. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't. I, I think you're being incredibly harsh and too quick to judge. Uh, and I just basically think that had he played up front with another striker, he would have created space for that striker 
Havertz isn't a striker. You mean if Brodie and Aubameyang are played together, you mean? Possibly, yeah, possibly, or or somebody else. I just think that what he does, or what he... Yes, he is rough around the edges. Uh, what you've got to remember and you've got to take into account, he's young, and basically, you don't know how nervous he was. This was his first start. You know, yeah, maybe a, a, lot, yeah, yeah. A, lot, yeah. a lot of the, the yeah. sort of quotes miscontrol. Um, because when we've actually seen him play before, when he's come on just as a sub, he hasn't sort of, he, there, there hasn't been that miscontrol. He's looked a lot more composed when he's he's been on the ball. I just think there was a lot of excitement. There was probably a huge amount of adrenaline. I think once he's played two or three games together, some of the sort of the more lax elements of his play will disappear. You know, as they said on the TV commentary, um, he gives us something different, and he does give us something well, different. He's direct. He, I mean, that's yeah. what I liked about him, Clayton. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he, you know, there's the goal. He runs for it. He's direct, and he's a nuisance. Yeah. You know, yeah. he, he really is a menace for, for defences on that basis. I love that. Which is why I'm saying if you've got somebody like that who's basically causing problems, and again, we don't know, but this might have been behind Potter's thinking that Ben Mee is slow, put him up against him, mm. you know, put him in a foot race with him. I mean, you're spot on. That that was a that was a free kick and a sending off. Mm. I mean, that it was only because of Brozier's naivety yeah. to actually, you know, impress and all the rest of it that he got up and carried on. But if he would have stayed down, I think the ref would have had a decision to make there. I I didn't like the way the ref just constantly played on and waited supposedly for... Um... It's the Anthony Taylor way, Jonathan. It's the it Anthony Taylor way. Entirely. Yeah. It was good to see somebody else being shafted by that twat. Yeah, 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 indeed. Um, but I know but it's interesting, isn't it, from a ref's point of view, that from a former looking at refs, is that they seem to now all be pursuing this idea of keeping the game going and all the on field decisions are cursorily dealt with by VAR to the depth. De yeah, there's a lot to be said for it because, you know, football, not only here, but everywhere else, and it, it probably started in Spain, is appalling now. There was like people. I mean, when he stopped the game because somebody got the ball it's in, the nuts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. ridiculous, that was. stupid. But you know, we personally, I want to stop these dicks rolling around screaming when nothing's happened to them. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only way you'll do it. If you play on, people will stop doing that. Yeah. So that's the only good thing. But as Taylor proved, you can play on and play on, but. We got shafted because he played on when one of our players was fouled and Spurs scored. And City got shafted because, you know, he he played on, but VAR called it back. I mean, it's just, it, it's the inconsistency. But I do, I do think that ref the other night was was pretty poor. He was an Australian, apparently. I know, I know. I'm supposed to be, the you know, he's, he's lauded, lauded because he's Australian. But, but I don't know why he would be lauded because he's Australian. He was supposed to be the best Australian referee. Well, that, that's and really he, not a very high bar, is it? But he then wanted to prove himself by coming over to... Yeah, well, good luck to him. Yeah. All right. Listen, Clayton, as we got you on a roll, um, I thought I thought Kepper was outstanding again. And, you know, oh. he, was out, he was outstanding... Uh, in the previous match, obviously was obviously the man of the match. But I mean, there was some there was some things yeah. that I really I've been I mean JK's you know nailed it earlier on. It's always lovely to have you on when there's something to talk about with keepers. I mean JK and I both ate a big bowl of humble pie by the way on Monday, and we're happy to to admit that. But 
there's there's something that really caught my eye about Kepper. I mean, some great, very Kepperish, uh, Kepperish saves. Obviously, like another tip over the bar from Tony after Cheek had headed it into his path was very classic. Uh, Kepper, as, as we would say, very like the save he made the other day. But the thing that really impressed me most, there was a a, a hefty cross, and you know this is Brentford all over. They like putting hefty crosses into the mixer, as we used to say. Yeah. And uh, Kepper raced out and punched the ball clear, taking yeah. the Brentford player with him. Now yeah. we would not have seen him do that a year ago, I suggest, and I was so pleased to see it. He's he's resurrected himself. I mean. <sighs> I would say that I don't know what percentage to put on it, but a huge amount of percentage is all about confidence. And by the time he was dropped, his confidence had had gone. It was shot to pieces and he should have been taken out of the firing line perhaps before, but when you got Willie Caballero as your backup goalkeeper, it's a hard job to do that. Um, If you remember rightly, by the time he was dropped, any shot on goal went in. But I, everything went in, and because we, were, I think, at the time our defence wasn't that bad. But his shot to save ratio, and I remember once tweeting his shit to shot ratio, uh, which you took the piss out of me, Mister Chidge, uh, for my me? for my typo, yes, <laughs> um, was was the worst in the league, and it was, and and you just knew that it didn't matter how how well we defended if you shot. It was. It would go in. Now you're basically getting a different version of the guy. You're getting a version of the guy which is obviously mentally he's changed. He's he's basically changed his attitude. Uh, I'm not saying his attitude was ever bad, but at the moment he is looking like a top class keeper. I was getting slightly frustrated before the Villa game when basically everybody was saying, "Oh, Kepa's doing great. Kepa's doing brilliantly," and what Kepa was doing was doing his job. You know, you have, you can't forget this is I, he doesn't set the money, but it was a seventy million pound purchase, and Keppel was doing what you'd want a seventy million pound keeper to do, and that was keep the bloody ball out of the net. But he was doing more than that because what he was doing, he was coming out of his area, he was making interceptions halfway into our how uh, into our half, and he was looking like a goalkeeper that that he was looking like a proper goalkeeper against Villa. He took it up a level because. Two of those saves were quite ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous. The, the save down to his right where he pushed it onto the post was outstanding, just really outstanding. And how he basically clawed that header from Ings over the bar, God only knows. Because if you remember rightly, I think one of the the sort of nicknames he had was, I can't remember, it was like, like balsa wood hands. You know, so and there were a number of occasions where balls were shot at him and he couldn't keep them out because his wrists and his, you know, he had no strength. But the strength to actually push that over the bar from that, you know, w- was phenomenal. It's anticipation, it was agility, and it was just basically it was it was outstanding. It was really outstanding. The save he made from Tony was not quite as difficult, but it was it was a similarly good save. He's just in a really, really good place. He's in a really, really good place. Now, whether whether that's got anything to do with the defence, I don't think so, because I think our defence looks shaky. Um, against Villa, it looked dreadful. Against Brentford, it looked shaky in the first 20 minutes. But, I, you know, I, bottom line is we're not letting goals in. So, you know, criticise the defence all you like. 
that's what they're there to do, and that's what they are doing. So yes, kick um, moving the ball out as well from defence, which he was slightly dubious about before. So yeah, yeah, in command of his penalty area on the floor with the ball, and and very very nonchalant just. But but that but that you see, if you remember rightly when he first came, he was good. That at was that. one of his major strengths. Yeah, you know, and that that's why they bought him because he he could play out, and that's the way we wanted to play. Um. And just that went to pot with together with everything else. No, you know, that, that that was all part and parcel. Huge, huge lack of confidence, wasn't it? And that was so obvious. I, I think, you know, Potter, I think Potter, I mean, I know it. it's kind of a bit of serendipity in a way because uh, Mendy was injured when Potter arrived. But I think Potter would probably prefer to play Kepa anyway because he, you know, like, like the reason we bought Kepa is because he's good with his feet. Potter likes goalkeepers who can play out from the back and are good with their feet. So it's kind of locked out for everybody in that respect. But um, I wonder what 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 Mendy's future is going to be if if Kepper is going to be the number one and he can if if you know if because the other thing sorry to leap around boys but I mean I don't know if Jonathan's got a view on this I think we might have spoken about this on Monday but I wonder if it's not just confidence it's actually that he's worked on his game he's actually learned how to play in the Premier League because if you remember I used to moan every week about the fact he never commanded his area. And I saw, is he, is he, is he a midget or anything? Well, he's not actually. He's well over six foot. He's just not like six foot eight, like a lot of goalkeepers are nowadays. But he never imposed himself or commanded the penalty area, and that's why I was so pleased to see what he did. He he just went in the danger area, physical physical danger area, cleaned everybody out. That's what I want to see a goalkeeper do, J.K. Well, I, I think it's we talked about this before. I think this is immensely commendable that mm. he's gone away and clearly worked on his game yeah. because. The Liverpool equivalent to the poor boy who missed the shots in the uh, in the cup final, if you remember, yeah. the, uh, remember his name, was he was immediately on the transfer list and out. And obviously you can't do it in the same way because he was 70 million. But he, he seems to have just become a much better goalkeeper unless all he's done is revisit those areas of strength that he had before that were all blown away. Regardless, um, his, his transformation is unbelievably laudable, unbelievably praiseworthy. And uh, I completely take my hat off to him. I think he's 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 ter- absolutely terrific. What what you've got to remember about goalkeepers is in the vast majority of cases, they get better as they get older. You know, he came to a new country and, okay, started off okay, but he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't outstanding. I think, I think he was like, he was, he was all right. And nobody sort of thought he was any more than all right. And he certainly wasn't what you'd expect to get for 70 million, which was only about five or six million less than Allison, who was the complete package. Um, so that, that's the first thing. The second thing is he's three years older. He's three years down the line, or I think it's three or maybe even four seasons now that he's been with us. And the other thing which you can't, um discount is the competition because whereas before he didn't have any competition you know he then basically sees that Mondi is is in and Mondi pushed him and Mondi has pushed him and and that's what they always say isn't it competition for places pushes players to do you know good players will will basically fight back and fight for their place and that's what's basically happened as far as Mondi's concerned I think it's quite interesting because obviously Mondi came from I won't say nothing, but Mondi came from not a particularly, you know, prestigious club or a prestigious place. And all of a sudden he's winning the Champions League. And so at the moment he's now back in not such a good place because he's sitting on the bench. Um, 
But I think because of where he's come from, it's not like he's not a superstar goalkeeper. Yeah, less, less pressure. Sit there, less pressure. Basically think, oh shit, you know, that that that's no good. I deserve better than this. I think because he's had the hard, you know, the hard knocks of life and in terms of footballing terms, you know, going from unemployment to winning the Champions League, he'll have a, a better grip in on reality than a lot of people potentially would be in in that situation and i think that he will probably tolerate it up to a point i don't i I don't know when his contract expires but i know that there was talk before the whole kepa thing happened that he was refusing to sign a new contract or they couldn't agree on a new contract because he was a bit pissed off about kepa was earning a lot more than him um and now i suppose you know he's he's him and his representatives are going to have to sort of bite the bullet and say well you know, I'm either going to stay and be a backup, or I'm going to go elsewhere and 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 you know, look for a first team slot. I mean, in a, in a way, you know, it's kind of funny how things work out, doesn't it? You know, there's always a bit of luck in this, I, I'm sure. But in in Chelsea's, you know, mindset, Kepper was always their number one keeper, not least because they spent, you know, they invested 70 million quid on them on him. So. I suppose I know we've had a, we've got a new ownership now, so maybe that landscape's changed a bit. But in a sense, they will be happy that that's happened because the money that they've invested on Kepa means they really kind of need him to be their number one keeper. Whereas Mendy, nobody expected him to be as good as he was, particularly in that Champions League winning run. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I'm going to move this on, chaps, because uh, there's a question I'm absolutely dying to ask you both because I could not for the life of me understand this. Uh, at halftime, he brings... Uh, well, I can understand Cucurella coming off. I'm, you know, I, 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 I really enjoyed watching Broyer in the first half, but I can understand... I mean, JK would probably agree with him coming off. Mount, I really didn't get that. But I, I couldn't understand why he brought Cucurella, Mount and Broyer off and then brought Pulisic, Sterling and Chuck Wilmaker on. I, I, I just thought it was weird. And I basically then gave up having any clue about what formation he was playing and the other thing I think Sterling went left wing back but I could be wrong and but what I couldn't understand was how Havertz stayed on he was stinking the place out again JK it was absolutely peculiar it was weird wasn't it you thought it was you were there I mean you get a different view of it than me well no we 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 uh, we we still didn't play um as well until the the there were more substitutions um but I still felt that it was you know, credit credit to Potter, the tweak made it made a difference because they were they were bossing it completely, Brentford, particularly down the right hand side where poor old cheek. I mean, I, I, I you know I went on about this in the fan bite. I, I really do despair the fact we've got Cucurella and Chilwell for the left hand side, and then Reese gets injured. It makes you realise how completely phenomenal Reese is. Because if Reese had been playing, we'd have won that game easily. Mm. And it and because he is such a he, he cannot be replaced. Cheek, bless his cotton socks, should not be playing wing back. He tries, you know, does decent little triangle passes and things, doesn't have the ability to get up in the way to boss the 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 full back, to boss the whole situation, because Reese is a world class player. But it, what on earth did the club do in not buying somebody who could play or even keeping one of the the youth available, keeping Sterling, for goodness sake, who apparently is going down wonderfully wherever Dijon Sterling. 
Dijon Sterling? Dijon, calling him mustard. Sorry. Oh, I was got, you beat me. I was going to say, I've, I've heard he's mustard. But yeah, you know, very you good. beat me yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But, so uh, I'm bewildered by that. And they must buy somebody in January to compete, at least because Reese is clearly, unfortunately, a bit injury prone, which is a, absolutely disastrous for the club. Because I reckon, as I said, if Reese had been playing, we'd have taken them to the cleaners because he would provide centres. Whatever. No centres coming from poor old old Loftus cheek because he's he's you know he's not used to playing there and it's not fair really isn't fair on him to put him in that position then you've got dave trying his little socks off but neither of them is quick enough to deal with can i can i read you my notes because you because you you i think i think you think that i'm 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 basically too nice and i'm always sitting here blowing smoke up the player's ass right but you see you get the real me when in the heat of the moment, and you know this because you sat next to me at the football. You know, yeah, you, you, I've, I've I've been in, been embarrassed I by know. your well, by <laughs> your uh, your unbelievable anger. I know exactly. So I'm not I'm not as much of a shrinking violet as I might sound on here. But this is what I wrote at the time, J.K. This is so waspish. It's not true. Reading it back, right? Yeah. If you want the ball to move forward quickly, you don't want Jorginho. If you want a decent final ball, you don't want Aspie making it. If the ball goes out into space for a long-range shot, you don't want that man to be Kovacic. If you want precision and decisiveness in the penalty area, you don't want Sterling. And you wonder why we struggle with creativity and putting the ball in the net. Because I just watched that game the number of times... I mean, Aspie, who I love like a brother, the first note I wrote on the game was... An awful Aspie moment, hairs up the right, underhits a pass, which he does so many times, and Brentford cut him out on the counter, which leaves Jorginho exposed. The bloke just went past Jorginho yeah. like he wasn't it's there. In Buomo, and it's just unbelievably yeah. quick. Unbelievably quick, which he was last year, which he was every time. He yeah. is, that's the way they play. Yeah. The two big things they play, Brentford, which is unbelievably speedy fullback and that bloke and and uh, Tony up front. Yeah. Really, really But quick. none of that would have happened if no. Aspie could fucking pass. Absolutely. Uh, giving the ball away in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's absurd. I agree completely. But once again, we haven't we haven't got the player. Well, to be fair, Fafana is injured. All right, there's the big desperate because it wouldn't have been Dave. But, and no, Dave, but Dave, Dave was, you know, fact, well, I, I mean, I... Dave Dave was the third of... Uh, he, was he was the, the right centre-back. Right yes, he was. But he was he going was. forward a lot. Yeah, he was. Which I was. thought was a bit insane, really, but there you go. But, but all they do is then boot the ball down the pitch and run after it, which is really simple, but they're much quicker, so why I mean, not? Do you know, I, I wonder if Clayton knows the answer to this, because, I mean, what you know, reading that back, it, it, it's quite revealing, isn't it, really? Because I wonder if teams, you know, managers are not stupid. So what they do is they basically mark... Anybody who isn't Aspie, Kovacic or Jorginho, knowing that if they look after the others, if the ball, you know, breaks free from the penalty area, Kovacic will put it 50 yards over the bar. Aspie will give the ball away or won't be able to find a man when he crosses it. And Jorginho, well, you know, they don't have to worry about him because he'll probably pass it backwards anyway. I mean, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Because why is it that it's always Kovacic that's free to have that long range shot? Or Aspie who finds himself free in space on the right. Yeah, you're you're 100 correct. I mean, basically, just just sort of. I mean, when As Aspie is always in good positions, but they know. I mean, there, there, there was that season when Aspie had this um, amazing connection with Morata, and he got the ball in, and he had loads of assists for Morata. Uh, but I'd like to know the statistics 
of how many times Asby hits the shins of uh, a defender. I think that, I mean, the one thing that I found incredibly frustrating, and I do feel sorry for for Ruben Loftus-Cheek, because basically he's he's a talent, but I'm not talking about his defending. Yes, he shouldn't be playing at right back, but what was really getting my goat was the number of times he had the ball and even he couldn't deliver a cross in. And that guy has got so much talent. And you wonder why the hell he couldn't get a cross in. I think one of the things you have to say is that def- the, the Brentford defended brilliantly. Because at the end of the day, that game and, and, and I, you know, we, we were sort of drifting to the Jorginho um, and Kovacic argument. That game just emphasised that we are not at the level that we used to be. And, and, you know, when people say, oh, that was a disappointing, we dropped three points, we should have won because it's Brentford. Well, no, why should we have won? We're, you know, we're fourth in the league. We've been fourth or third for the last, you know, God how many, was it that four or five seasons now? We that, That's the sort of, that that is where we are. We are not a top tier, t- top tier. That's not very easy. No, no. To say. We're, not, not, we're not a top two team. Top tier. Well, team. I think we're not a top two team. I think that's we're different. not a top two team because we have not been in that top two, and and the, and sort of. I know that we've got injuries, and I know that we're missing players. But if you basically look about and you think, if we okay, Reese is the is the big one that we missed, and Reese is the one which, as you say, we have been absolutely negligent in not replacing him, which potentially might be because we're going to sort of go back in and, and and use the buyback clause to get Liveramento back, which I think we can exercise after the end of this season. But Liveramento has been injured for virtually half the time that he's been at Southampton. So whether he's the answer, I don't know. What about, what about Lamptey? Well, Lamptey, yeah, maybe, maybe. And Potter, the- Potter connection. Well, you you think that way. Why doesn't they get Solly Solly Marsh, who's who's a who's a very decent wing back? Yeah, because probably Solly Marsh knows that if he comes to us and Reese James is fit, he won't play. Absolutely, which is which is why Lamptey left in the first place. I mean, but I think this this is a a a much bigger problem. I think yes, we have to get a replacement for, or we have to get a backup for Reese because this is the second season running that basically he's been out. I think that. I'm going to disagree with you on Cucurella because I thought Cucurella was okay the other night. One of the things that absolutely baffled me and I thought was really, really funny, I'm sort of going off piece slightly, is that when old Chakawaka or whatever his name is came on, I just thought, oh, it's Loftus-Cheek, but in a different, you know, because he was doing what Loftus-Cheek does. And it was just, it was bizarre. You know, you have got the real Loftus-Cheek playing at right back, and then you've got the new Loftus cheek. So you could call him baby cheeks. Well, you could call him baby cheek. But I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, however good Brentford defended, we created not a lot. You think about their keeper and what saves he had to make in that 90 minutes, virtually nothing. He basically had a handful of saves to make, which any decent goalkeeper would save. Jonathan has stuck his finger up. He's going to say something profound. No, nothing profound. I can't ever do that, uh, Clayton. It's sweet of you. I was going to say that um, I felt that by the end, with 15 minutes to go, we had the, the best combination on. And uh, and we were then all over them. And I just felt that he should have done, brought that lot. You see, Obama Yang 
it, it, it puts it into a different dimension for me because he's proper a proper striker, proper striker, completely proper striker. And I, I felt that we just, and Pulisic, bless his cotton socks, is looking a bit better. You know, and so and he, we look Ex- very excellent, excellent. We, we, we he, look, was, he was fantastic. He was look, absolutely fantastic. We look, we look. Therefore, this should have happened much earlier. And the problem with giving people a rest is you end up by playing not a very good side. Now the problem was when we played against Wolves, and he put that side out with the seven changes. They played much better than we played um, uh, than against Brentford. And I felt that he he should have brought, but should have created that he saw something that. He didn't need to have a, um, um, a, a a defender. He could just put more attackers on. And we we had no problem dealing with any of their attacks. There were a couple of squeaky bum moments when they kicked the ball. They kicked the ball up the field enormous amount and run after it. Or they do that well, bizarre, bizarre thing of, of throwing the ball in to vaguely long. Somebody heads it miles up in the air. It's like watching football from the fifth. Well, J- JK, across, you know, yeah. more, more recent. I, I, I mean, look, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I yeah. think a lot of that has to do with creativity, which is why I want to come on to J5 and Kovacic. But I, I actually don't think this was a bad result. I mean, Brentford's home form has been terrific this season and is generally quite good. They've lost only once to Arsenal, right? 3-0. Um, but they're also fucking hard to play against because do you know who they remind me of? You'll love this. Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there is a Wimbledon aspect yeah. to them. You know, we've said that before. Yeah, particularly the double balls they do. It's really interesting watching the throw... The throw gets heavy. They did this before when we had the uh, when Mandy made those wonderful yeah, yeah, saves yeah, yeah. And, we were, well, and we actually won. When they they don't they don't actually bother bizarrely to go for goal with the header, which is really um, is obviously done on the training ground. They will head the ball twice across the goal to get an opportunity for somebody to be in a position to then head at goal. Chaos. And it's very clever, very clever stuff. And yes, I agree, but they're still very basic. Basically, relying well, we, we we should we should and um, yeah we should and could have won had we been yeah. able to put our chances away and create more. Yeah, and I mean, also, I think if we'd had yes, but I felt that that's why the last fifteen minutes we were actually all over them. Yeah, and but you just think, well, the top we should have scored in those fifteen minutes. But if we'd had another ten minutes and he'd done the substitutes early and brought Bama Yang on, we would have scored. Yeah. And there were too many moments where. The ref, like the last few minutes, to, you know, we had no idea whether the, the ball hit the guy on the hand and he he refused to even go up to VAR. And you just think, no, come on, you've we're there's small margins here. We've been attacking, attacking, attacking. And there were a couple of moments where Sterling took too many oh, too many yeah. touches yeah. again. For fuck's sake, just kick it. Yeah. Kick the fucker. You've got it. It's in the goal. What is the matter with you? And I'm finding he is he and Havertz at the moment are nowhere near the correct level. Well, but- I'm glad you said that because, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's time to bench Havertz now because he's, his, his form is fucking terrible. Now, I don't know whether his mind's on the World Cup or what, but he's stinking the place out and he's taking up a spot that could be used better, I think. And I have to say, I, I think, you know, you look at the performances on, on, uh, on, on Wednesday, you look at Pulisic's performance and Sterling. I'd have Pulisic in every time over Sterling at the moment. At the moment, I agree completely. You know, I at agree. the moment, on form, which is what you want, right? Yeah. Yeah, anyway, rant over. Um, listen, I just want to talk about... about J5 and Kovacic for a minute. I mean, I, I, I totally get what, what you were saying earlier. It wasn't, it wasn't Potter's plan. He wanted Gallagher in there. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because quite, quite often recently in the midfield, you, you've, had, you've had a Gallagher or a Loftus-Cheek. You've had, you've had something a little bit more forward-thinking and 
you know, uh, more creative per se. Um, and I and I thought it was quite fascinating watching those two buggers playing the other night, because whatever you say about them, they do work best, I think, as a pair. We look a lot more solid when you've got G- Jorginho and Kovacic. And of course, what a surprise. They've played together for a long, 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 long time now. They know each other's game. So I think Ko- Kovacic knows exactly how to mitigate Jorginho's weaknesses better than any other pairing apart from maybe Kante. Trouble is, when you've got those two playing in midfield, you lose any semblance of creativity and goal threat as a result, I think. So I feel for Potter because you can be solid with those two in, but you can be absolutely impotent with them in. But it allows you to then give Potter excuses because he's playing with a um, with a, somebody else's side, and you know, and, and and I'm I'm hoping there will be people who will get into the team who will, um, uh, and that well, I suppose it'll be taken out of, out of our hands if Jorginho then decides that he doesn't want to play for us anymore and doesn't want to renew his contract. But the the whole aspect of the advantage of having um, Connor playing is he shoots yeah. from whatever angle he's at. He has a shot, and suddenly you think we've got somebody who's willing to have a go. Neither Jorginho or Kovacic, we've established, can shoot. And I find it absolutely bizarre, particularly the number of times Kovacic finds himself on the edge of the penalty area with a decent, with a, anybody with a decent shot could curl it in and he hits it about 20 yards over the bar. But, but as Chich said, maybe sides know that, which is why he is allowed. He's allowed to be in that position, yeah. And, and yeah but it, was, it was very interesting at Villa. I arrived early at Villa and they were doing practice beforehand, shooting practice. For fuck's sake, he was doing the same thing then. 20 yards over the bar, fuck, twice. You get given one. They roll you one out, they kick it out, you kick it over the bar, and they give you another one very quickly, left foot or something, over the bar again. JK, JK, that, that reminds me, I, I visited Cobham, uh, you know, one of those visits many years ago, and it was when Torres couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, and I watched them training, and in training, hit every every shot, he missed the goal on every shot he took. I was watching for about half an hour, every over the bar, past the post, easy save. He was fucking terrible. And he just... Isn't it? Isn't it I, I, but, but it's very telling. I mean, I can't remember the exact year that Lampard left us, but we've never replaced his goals from midfield. And I think we've won the title once since he left. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that is basically, you know, that's even in his, his worst seasons, he was scoring between, I don't know, 13, say 15 goals. He, he, scored, over, scoring... he scored over 20 goals for something like five yeah. seasons in a row or something crazy. You take that out and I guarantee you since Lampard has left, if you add up all of the goals from our midfielders in the years since he's left, I don't know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't call Hazard a midfielder, whatever. But you'd find that we'd get, what, maybe half a dozen if you take away pens. I mean, obviously, Jorginho, that wonderful season where he was top scorer with seven penalties or something, you know, and it's just... It, but but but, that, but that's it. I mean, you you look at a lot of the other teams and, and goals. Go, I mean, even Granite Jack is scoring loads of goals at the moment. The fact is that the ball is being moved quicker up front you can notice that from Potter with the less of the fannying about in the middle of the field you know I like you was watching and 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 it's like you feel guilty but I'm watching Jorginho I'm thinking this guy is so skillful he's such a skillful player now obviously his first instinct is backwards which is incredibly frustrating but 
you know, he's never been in that side with a dynamic midfield player next to him. Well, you know, apart from Kante. You know, if you got Kante next to him, and basically if you had then a forward, like if, if you, you know, and we might not ever see this, but you're looking, if you had Kante, Jorginho with, uh, with Gallagher just ahead of them, that might be the start of it. But I think the bottom line is that our midfield is not of the highest quality. I think that both, I think Kovacic is, is very good at what he does. Kovac is a, is a decent midfield player, but would Kovacic get into Manchester City's side? No. Would he get into Liverpool's side? Possibly not. So you're looking at, we, we, need, we need to upgrade. And I, I've been saying this like a broken record. And I had the conversation with no lesser man than Joe Tweeds years ago that we would never, ever win the league with Cover um, and J5. And, and that's a, a very unfortunate fact, but it is it's true. And I, I think they're both decent players, but they're not just that. Well, I think, I, think, I, think I, I totally agree with you on Kovacic. I, you know, he's not world-class and we need a world-class midfielder. Jorginho is one of the best at what he does, but I think yeah. what he does, it just doesn't really work per se in the Premier League. I mean, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Jorginho was very much wanted by Pep Guardiola, which tells you everything you need to know. This yeah. guy is not a mug. He would fit perfectly with Man City because everybody else knows how to keep possession of the football. It, Chelsea is like the only one. So it all kind he, of falls he, down. Brilliant at recycling. Yeah. But I mean, if he was recycling at City, there would be players always available who also would not lose the ball. Correct. But that's, that's why he looks shit in Chelsea. I mean, I had this theory years ago about Juan Sebastian Veron. I thought Veron was brilliant, but he was brilliant. always passing the ball into touch and everybody thought he was shit. No, it's just that all the other players are on completely different wavelength to him and never, ever moved to where he thought, you know, where they thought he was going to put the ball. So uh, basically Rude Hullet, when Rude Hullet yeah. was at Chelsea, yeah, yeah. playing these wonderful balls and you get all these limited <laughs> Chelsea players like looking at him thinking, why don't you get the ball there? But, Instead of actually being there to receive them, they didn't have a clue. He was so far ahead, he's mentally, than, you know, his legs had gone, but mentally he was so sharp. Well, he, yeah. he used to look in absolute despair. Like, what, what? <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Um, talking of brilliant players, you knew how to play, uh, keep up, you know, keep hold of the ball. Um, we've got uh, another one of our uh, events with the Troubadour. Yes, indeedy. On uh, November the 6th, which is after the Arsenal game. Uh, so a lot of you will be in town for that one, I am sure. Uh, we are going to kick off at half past three. Doors open at half past three, and we're going to have an afternoon with Pat Nevin, wee Pat, which will be brilliant. Uh, we had a really good one with Kerry Dixon uh, last month, and we're hoping, or was it this month? This month, and we're hoping to do the same next month with Pat. So we'll uh, we'll be having a look back at the Arsenal game with Pat, and then we're going to throw it open for a live Q and A with everybody who's there. And of course, it'll be an opportunity to get anything you want signed by Pat, have a drink with him and have a chat with him and tell him how bloody marvellous he was playing for Chelsea. So there you go. 6th of November, 3.30. Uh, tickets will be £20. You can get them from ticketweb.uk, www.ticketweb.uk. And the Troubadour Club is in Old Brompton Road. And uh, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. JK, you'll be there. Aye. And uh, Clayton, you're coming along too. I am. Yeah, so there'll be a few of us there if you want to, you know, say say hello to us. We're always lovely to meet meet and see people that we know as well. So there you go. So November the 6th, after the Arsenal game, 3.30, we, Pat Nevin and us lot, 
doing a bit of a chat and a Q&A. Do come along. We'll be back in a second for part two. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper chels. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show with me, Stanford Chidge, him down there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hello. And the absolute delightful housewife's choice, Mr. Clayton Beerman. Good evening. Lovely to see you both. I'm, I'm having fun tonight. I'm enjoying the chat, actually, immensely. Now, it's time for uh, the preview bit of the show, uh, which, of course, we've got Man, Man United tomorrow, uh, which uh, is a massive match. It's always a massive match against United. Um, and we start, as ever, with my team. Now, I'm, I'm not quite sure what I think of this team. I can't, I can't remember whether it's the team I think Potter will pick. I, I think this is more of the team I think Potter will pick, because I, I would certainly have... Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you as I'm going along. Anyway, Kepper in goal. Koulibaly, Silva, back, Chaloba. I think he's going to stay with three. I think he's going to stay with wing backs. I wouldn't do that, but hey, I think he will. Chilwell, uh, left wing back. Uh, I think Kovacic and Jorginho in midfield and Aspilicueta as the right wing back because, frankly, what other choice do we have? Uh, Sterling and Mount as a two, so three, he's playing three four two one. He played three four two one incidentally when uh, Brighton beat Man United uh, on the first day of the season. So I have a suspicion he might do the same. But Sterling and Mount behind Aubameyang. Now on that, I could see him maybe playing cheek 
instead of Jorginho or Kovacic. Uh, I think much will depend on whether Gallagher's fit. Much will depend on whether he plays 3-4-2-1, obviously. Much will depend on whether he wants to risk Chaka Wakabaka. I don't think he will. Uh, Aspilicueta, I mean, he could put... Uh, I mean, God knows. He, he might be daft enough to put Sterling there or Cheek again. Uh, but I mean, you know, as the lesser of all evils, I think Aspilicueta probably just about gets in there. And he, he didn't play badly against Brentford, to be fair. Chilwell is a must for me. I think he's much better than Cucurella. Uh, I would play Pulisic instead of Sterling, to be, you know, with all honesty. But Aubameyang Ob- must start in a big game like this, JK. I think he has to play the first team. and um, Well, that's pretty much it, isn't it? That's almost it, isn't it? Yeah, Chilwell gets in. Um, uh, we've established Cucurella can't play in that back three so Koulibaly has to come in Silver obviously has to play because he was rested uh Chalabar's been playing really well when he's played um it's a question of whether Dave starts or whether he plays cheek on the right I really hope he doesn't but I it, the the paucity of, of possibilities now is just so stupid that we're thinking of either of them oh, but don't I said it on Monday didn't I don't fucking play with wingbacks if you don't have any that are not you're <laughs> good enough no but I think he's going to do that um uh, yeah, I think he'll play with Kovacic and Jorginho. I don't think that um, I don't think Connor gets in, but I wouldn't be surprised if he played Pulisic, Mount, and Aubameyang. Actually, I hope he uh, does. He must surely be aware that Sterling is really off the pace. Um, well, I mean, you know, he's he's pacey enough, but he's just his is constantly taking these these touches. It's just so ridiculous. But yeah, that's what I would hope that the team would be, Chidge, other than. Then, then um, I, I don't know who's going to play wing back. I think he will play with wing backs, but um, and it will be Dave, I suspect. But we all know that that's not good enough. Um, and so part of me thinks, well, is this going to be something that is the team going to change that much come January? Will there be some more purchases if the if the owners are anything like they've uh, they've been um, been suggesting that you know they want to make a a billion a year from. Uh, from the team and open up the marketing, then they'll they'll uh, they'll they'll per- try and purchase a wing back in the in the, in the January transfer window. Um, and once again, that's going to be interesting, just because as you said, who's going to want to not compete with James when he comes back? Um, but yeah, I I, I I fear you may be right that he will play Sterling, Mountain, Aubameyang, but I really would like Pulisic to play there, um, and I would like Connor to play instead of Jorginho, but I think. He will play Kovacic and Jorginho, have you suggested? And yet, once again, we're in the weird world of, of you know, you can start off with this and if it doesn't work, he then makes a huge number of changes and we end up with a kind of team you think, well, at least they're playing a lot better. And that's what appears to happen now. But then it's a question of whether you brought them in too late. Because I said against Brentford, the team we ended up with the last 15 minutes who were all over them because they tired as well, should have come in much Do, do you know what formation they were playing at that stage of the game? Um, intriguing. I don't. Let's think about it. Um, he had Pulisic up front with uh, um, Bamiyang. Cheek. Cheek was still wing back. He was still playing Cheek on wide on the left on the right. Um, they were just pushing much further forward. So I think he was playing just with a with a two. You had you had Kula Bali, um, who was playing central defender. Um, uh, Chaloba. That's right, Chaloba. Then you had yeah, and, and then you had Dave on the right. Obviously, yeah. Um, and Dave carried on playing, didn't he? So, um, well, they basically, I mean, he, he, um, Sterling was playing wing back. He was playing, that's what it was. He's playing, just he's got to stop doing that. I mean, 
the player yeah. can't defend and it's unfair to try and make him defend. Yeah. I, I think that basically by the end of that game, it was there was no formation. It was trying to get as many bodies forward as possible. We weren't trying to, because we didn't have to contain them because they weren't doing anything. They, I think they were knackered, as Jonathan said. I think they were, you know, and it was just a question of whether we were going to get the breakthrough. They pressed I, at the very beginning, Clayton, didn't they? That was the thing about the first half, was they pressed and pressed and pressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's what happens. You, you know, sustain that for 90 minutes you just yeah, can't. you can't even you with can't. the subs you can't do it you just... Liverpool could for a couple of seasons yeah. but now you can see what it's done to them they're knackered they are a, a knackered team I I think that and I don't know has has um, Chaloba ever played at, at right back I mean because I'm just basically thinking that we are going to need four or well, three at least three in midfield I think we have to play a back four and it, I, I don't I haven't I I know it's sacrilege to say this, but I haven't listened to the Monday night show. But basically, that was part of Tuchel's undoing last season, was the fact that we lost both right, you know, the right back and the left back. And he continued playing wing backs when we didn't have the players to do it. Hello, welcome to this season. So we basically, at least we got two left backs, but we basically haven't got any right backs, apart from Asby. And he's not a wing back, he is a right back. Um the problem that we've got with Manchester United and with the, a midfield of Kovacic and Jorginho, which is why I think there is a possibility that Gallagher will play there, is that they're very quick. They're really quick on the break. And we know that if they're quick, um, Kovacic and J5 will just wave as they sort of as they race past them. Uh, Kudabali is not slow, but he's not particularly fast. And obviously Silva's not fast. So I, I think he's going to, He's going to try and do something to combat that. What, I don't know, but I do actually think that either Connor or, or Ruben are going, to, are going to play in the centre to try and to try and combat that. I agree with you on Sterling. He's off the pace. Um, Mount was... Uh, Mount, uh, Pulisic was so good on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, or whatever night it was. It would be great to see him get a run and see whether he can get back to the form that he was in, you know, before he got injured, because he's obviously, he's got that ability. Um, it's interesting because I didn't, you know, he scored against Wolves, but I didn't think he was particularly brilliant against Wolves. But obviously the other night, whatever he had for breakfast worked because he he just looked like the Pulisic that we've seen. So I I think he's going to have to to make sure that we, we're sort of, we've got the players to stop, stop the break. And and sort of not let these guys, you know. Well, sort of, I mean, United uh, Ten Hag, whatever his name is, you know, always plays four two three one, but he he changes the personnel a bit. But you're right, as as has always been the case, for United over the last few years, their main attacking threat is counter attack, and they've got some very quick players. Um, I I wonder if actually he might do what would piss us off, and that is actually to play Sterling and play him as a right wing back. Uh, because actually that might because I'll tell you what I'll tell you what makes him makes me think he might do and I'm not saying I agree with this by any stretch of the imagination peeps but there was a there was a moment in the game I mean I might have just be getting us completely wrong and thinking it actually it it might be in the Villa game actually but um, oh come on where's me notes I know it's in here somewhere if it's not it was the Villa game but Sterling tracked back um and covered about 60 yards and made a really good tackle about five yards out of our penalty area. So he's got it in him. But I do, I do accept what you say, what you say, Clayton. He he is no right or left wing back for that matter. So 
And it's, it's got to stop. Yeah, it has no, I agree. Utter madness. Listen, Man United, you know, who we've been laughing about for what seems like an eternity now, um, I, I wonder if they're beginning to turn a corner with this bloke, Ten Hag. Um, you know, they're unbeaten in their last five. In fact, they've got an identical record to us, four, four uh, wins and a draw. Although, although in amongst there are two wins against some side called Ammonia. Yeah, they should just call themselves Bleach for sure or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so I don't know if that counts. But they won away at Everton, which actually for United is a good result because they're a bit of a bogey side for them. They had a nil-nil draw, which was awful against Newcastle. And they beat Spurs, who basically went all Spursy this week at 2-0. But the point is, is that, you know, they've crept up the table. They're now fifth. We're fourth. But they're only one point... Uh, they're only one point behind us. So if they beat us on Saturday, they'll go above us. And I'm just wondering if maybe they're beginning to get their act together. And for all the laughter we've had at, at their door, they've still got some pretty bloody good players in that squad. JK? Well, Casemiro appears to have given them some kind of uh, um, depth, some kind of st- stability. Um, I don't think Ericsson is the uh, is the answer for them. But um, if Rashford starts getting back to being a, uh, the force he was, and Fernandez plays okay. I mean, you keep going on. They've got Sancho, seems to be running into form. Fred appears to be, you know, getting assists. Martial, they've got as well. And I mean, it, they've got some really, you know, when in doubt, purchase somebody really excellent, possibly at the end of their career. Varane, for example, I'm not convinced he's anywhere near the same player. Van der Beek doesn't seem to get in very much. Um, Nor does Harry Maguire, which is a good thing for them. Well, very good for them, yeah, I think. And yet he gets in the England side. which well, that tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? So, now does Tyrone Mings. Yes, hey, my God, yes, yes. But interesting to see, by the way, that Gerard did get sacked after all because the whole of the, the media world... They're, they're all in mourning now, aren't they, apparently? They all expected that he was going to end up taking over Liverpool, didn't they? Mm. Well, and, uh, ultimately, but... Um, uh, well, let's hope he does, eh, JK? Yeah, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yes. um, but yes, yeah, so clearly the, uh, the being able to, to do quite well at Rangers isn't much of a, a litmus paper for being able to do well in the uh, in the Premiership. Um, and they've got Shaw. Shaw seems to be uh, um, in and out, but you know he, he's not a bad player, and and, um, and obviously playing for England. Um, and McTominay's slightly mad. I always think he's a he's a, a red card waiting to happen, but. You know, I don't know who he's going to select. He's one of those players who's a foul machine and never, ever gets booked. I, I don't know what it is about referees, but he never gets booked. He's continually fouling. He's continually in the ear of the referee. Never gets booked. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Because he's in the ear, he becomes their mate, you know, perhaps it's that. Maybe, maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know who he's going to pick. I don't know how they're playing at the moment, I'm afraid. Well, they're, they're, they're in good form, you know. They've won no, no, four. No, I, 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 I just meant what, I mean, sorry. 4-2-3-1. Um, they'll play 4-2-3-1. Yeah, I, I, I'm, who is it? It's supposed to be leaping in and playing for them. Is that that bloke, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Dallow. Well, no, Dallow wasn't playing for them, was he? Was It wasn't, you know, Lindelof. Mm. Lindelof was playing for them, wasn't he? He was playing quite well. Um or perhaps I've confused him with somebody, but um, uh, yeah, the odd one gets in and you think, oh, I didn't think they were terribly good. And then they seem to be playing quite competently or they don't play well. Um, was it Anthony? They've got this bloke. Anthony, Anthony. Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. 80 million from Ajax, who's scored quite a few goals, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, he's Brazilian, isn't he? Yeah. Um, here, talking of uh, 
you know, players. Uh, the whole Ronaldo hoo-ha. Apparently, he he wandered off five minutes before the end of the match against uh, Spurs and upset everybody hugely. And apparently, Ten Hag's disciplined him, and he's not available for selection tomorrow. Now, I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing for us. I mean, I, I'm actually tempted to say it's a bad thing for us because I think when they play with Ronaldo, they're even more shit because he's he's disruptive. But he's never scored at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, there we go. There is that. So I think it's not it's a bad thing for us because actually what it might do, if he is as disruptive as people are saying he is, then it could, it's good for a bit of team unity if he's on the naughty step and they're not playing with him and they might actually play a little bit better which worries me a bit i mean you know our form this is i i love these kind of things because the narrative that i think that even we you know kind of adopt in a non-thinking way is that is that oh dear you know our form against united's pretty crap you know uh because the last time uh that we uh we've beaten united on home soil was in november 2017 but actually that belies the stats because actually we've only lost twice to united uh since 2002 at home in fact our, our overall record against united i think is still here we go this is a great stat we've beaten united 18 times in the premier league so home and away no side has managed that more often in the competition's history and actually at home we've played 31 12 drawn 12 and lost six so uh, you know, our, our record in the last 20 years against United at home is pretty good. And actually, the last few years, it's just been these terminal draws, if you remember. You know, 1-1, 0-0, 2-2, I mean, 1-0 and 4-1. So, you know, I think there's a bit of a myth created about our, our form against United. Um, but, but is it the greatest irony, Chidge, that when we were shit, we always got a result against yeah, United? in the 90s. Yeah, and we, we had the best record... And it continues that way. And it's just so ironic that the last two or three seasons, and it's a bit like when we used to, when we've been playing Arsenal, the the you know, the worst Man United team in recent memory, the worst Arsenal team in recent memory, and we can't beat them. Yeah. Makes no sense at all. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean they're they're in, you know, they're in good form. I mean, they've lost once in the last uh well it says here uh losing just one of the last 11 head to head meetings in all competitions one four drawn six uh they're good away from home they've won five of their last six aways the only one they lost was when they got absolutely humped by city if you remember six three um so you know i mean it's i think it's going to be a tough match let's let's not beat around the bush here you know um i, I still i still think i mean you know in a sense actually this is the JK and I were talking about this a little bit on uh, Monday, weren't we, JK? That you know, Potter's not had to play against what we would call a traditionally big side, you know. And I mean, whatever one thinks about United, they are still traditionally a big side. He's got United, we've got Newcastle very soon, we've got Arsenal very soon. He's now going to have to play. This will be the measure of him, I think, and we'll know a lot more about Potter, you know, after these games, but. Uh, Here's the thing. Is this a six-pointer, given that they're creeping up towards the top four? If they beat us, they'll go above us into fourth. This is a match we need to win, really, JK, isn't it? Uh, not really. I no? Think the... Really? It's fucking Man United. Of course we've got to win. Yeah, but I don't think we if we if we weren't to win it and we were to... Nah, it's too early, isn't it? Again, draw. 
I think the chances are that they'll implode along the way, but as but as will we possibly. I I just think the uh, the watching us play so badly, so dully in the first half against Brentford, just made me realise that um, he, he needs he, they they're going to give him time. They're not going to get rid of him. He needs time. He and perhaps there are aspects of his uh, his managership that we're going to have to expect is that he'll experience the same kind of thing Tuchel did and I just think he will be provided with with um several very interesting purchases as the season oh, at the, at, in January and then even more and then we'll be completely reassessing the whole the whole personnel for the club and I almost think this is like okay let's see what happens I'm expecting this season to be pretty average to be honest mm. what, do you, what do you reckon Clayton is it a must win is it a six-pointer I think it's I I I think it's really difficult to uh, to put it in those terms because I don't actually think it's a must win because I just basically think that I think it is a general malaise that, uh, and I I don't I don't disagree with what Jonathan says I I don't I think this will be an average season I don't you know I think if we get top four I think that'll be a decent result um, and I'm not looking at, at sort of you know. I, th- I think the most important thing is that we collect enough points between now and the World Cup to basically not lose sight of the teams above us. I think that's that is the the thing that we've got to do. I think there'll be a lot of thinking. I think you know we we've got this. So Potter's brought in this team from Brighton, and one of them is the guy who's a recruitment guy whose name I can never remember. I think something O'Shaughnessy or somebody will correct me. Um, McLachlan, isn't it? McLachlan. Uh, no, that was the one that went. That was Scott McLachlan is the one that, that went, or maybe, yeah, he was the, yeah, anyway. Um, but the, 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 the thing is that, you know, we talk about we need a right back. They will have different, they, they've been able to introduce players to Brighton. I know it's, you know, no disrespect to Brighton, but they're not us, but, but they've been able to find players and they've probably got their eyes on a right back, somebody that we've never heard of or somebody from a lower division who could possibly come in and do a job. You know, if you think about um, the guy at Liverpool, um, Robertson. The, Robertson, you know, he was at Hull and he, and he was brilliant. I mean, he, he was talked up and what have you. And Everton bought a, a fullback from one of the, from I think Rangers, you know, so I, I think that we've got a different ownership and, 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 and this ownership is is basically moneyball, isn't it? It's stats driven. We were never stats driven before. We were Abramovich driven, and that was no bad thing. And I'm not criticising it. We're just coming from a different place. And I just think that this season will be, you know, I think we will try and do our best. We 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 may, I don't know, maybe win a cup. Who knows? Uh, we're obviously not winning the league cup, but um, it. So in answer to your question. It'd be nice not to lose on Saturday. It'd be absolutely fantastic to win because we owe them big time. I mean, basically so many games we've screwed up against them. You know, last season we were all over them and then we make one absolute fuck up. They scored a breakaway goal. You know, it's just, it's really, really weird. Anyway, I'm I'm waffling on, but I, I just don't, I can't, it's hard to describe. I don't actually have, it's not, I don't have ambition for this season. I can't see that we're going to sort of pull up any... You're being realistic, I think. Yeah, I I just don't... You know, it's like when I was saying about the Brentford game and we have to be realistic as to where we are. And where we are is 
he's sort of stuck in that buffer. I think I think the Brent I think the Brentford game's actually a bit of an outlier because they're a really, they are a very hard team to play against in the way that the style of football that they play. As I said, it's it's like playing against Wimbledon, and they were always very difficult to play against, and yeah. they're very difficult to play against at home, which is evidenced by their exceptionally good record. As I said, only Arsenal have beaten them this season. Uh, Rich, I'll... You, sorry to interrupt you, you can go on afterwards. The one thing that needs to be taken into consideration with Arsenal, it was a 12 o'clock kickoff. And as we know from our cost, getting up for a 12 o'clock kickoff is very difficult. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Arsenal weren't professional that day, but when, you know, as a supporter, you know, Brentford, the atmosphere, I mean, JK was there. They're up for it. They're really, you know, that that's a, a hostile atmosphere on a Sunday 12 o'clock it's just like yeah, no, you're, you're, that's a really good point I've forgotten that I mean I think as, as as far as this season goes you know we shouldn't really be surprised about where we are because we are exactly where we are where we were with Tuchel and we've been saying for a long time now that we are still quite short in terms of quality of players in quite a few areas and this is what worries me and it may just be you know we should give him the benefit of the doubt He's only been in there for a matter of weeks and he's still trying to figure out the tune he can get out of these players. So it's easy for us to sit here saying, mate, why have you made seven changes and brought all these players in who we know will let you down when you need to be picking your best side? Well, he's not really established that yet. He's not really figured out that they're going to let him down a lot. So, you know, when he when he does... And I think he's also trying to come to terms himself with trying to manage a side... When they're playing two, ga- you know, two games a week, which is something he won't have experienced before, and also on paper he looks at this squad and he thinks, well, they're better than Brighton. I've got all these great players. Of course, they should be able to. I should be able to swap them around. So it's going to take him time, I think, for him to figure out what we already know and what Tuchel already figured out. You know, so I think it's going to be a very difficult thing to try and call this season because it depends. Well, I mean, it always depends on variables. This we already know, but. I think there are additional variables in here, which is like how long it will take Potter to get his head around this team. But there you go. Right, predictionies, chaps. JK. Um, 3-2. To, to the Chelsea. To the Chelsea. 3-2. Clayton? 2-2. Two, 2-2, two. Two, two. yeah. I'm, I'm inclined to think that this is going to be a draw, actually. Uh, not least because every bloody result in, in recent history, certainly at home, has been a draw and I think I think you know for various reasons they're quite evenly matched so uh I mean look at that we've had head-to-head matches at home uh out of five the most recent matches four of them have been draws uh the only one was the FA Cup and I think that was that was at Wembley wasn't it that wasn't at Stamford Bridge that's when we won three one. So the last four matches at the bridge have all been draws one ones and nil nils. I'm going to go for a one one. I think that's what we're we're looking at. But who knows? My predictions are about as predictable as Potter's bloody, you know, team selection. So what do I know? Right. Oh, one quick thing before we go away. I should add about the Pat and Evan event. You might remember me mentioning that before we started part two. Uh, there are only, this is an intimate venue, the Troubadour. We can only fit 50 people in. So these tickets will go quickly. So don't don't hang around and wait to the last minute thinking, oh, that's all right. I think I might go to that because you've got a very fair chance for not being able to get in. So do hurry up and get a ticket because there's only 50 spots available. So, uh, you know, and it's that's lovely. I we, we all think that's a great thing because it, mean, it makes it a much more intimate kind of afternoon 
uh, with only a few of us there so we all get a bit more time to you know talk to each other and of course talk to uh, talk to and listen to pat so there we go uh clayton the housewife's choice lovely to see you mate as always yeah no absolutely loved it really good stuff love uh talking to you guys mm-hmm. enjoying yeah and uh, i'm no doubt you're looking forward to tomorrow as we all are jk who are you going with tomorrow uh on my lonesome tomorrow. no yeah oh, that's a shame i know that's but there'll be people there that i like yeah good stuff uh right uh we will be back jk myself and mark worrell will be back on monday for the main chelsea fan show at 7 p.m uh, and of course, we'll be looking back at the match against Man United and ahead to the match against Salzburg on Tuesday evening. Uh, so that should be a giggle, of course, as it always is. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it Chelsea. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.